grace to follow that path, to love our neighbours like we've seen in the last couple of chapters, to respect the civil authorities, to love and accept one another even when we disagree in the Lord. And when I was learning to drive on my L's, my family had a a big old Toyota Land Cruiser. It was pretty beaten up from too many off-road trips. Uh, It was this huge hulking old car really. And as an L-plater, my gear changes were never that smooth, but in that four-wheel drive, (laughs) there should have been a warning for whiplash just when I was getting going, right, and bunny hopping off the line. And maybe when we get to chapter 16 of Romans, that's what it feels like right? A massive clunky change of gear. We've been doing all this intricate theology, carefully developed argument. We get to this final chapter and suddenly it's full of personal greeting. All these intimate details about the relationships. It's a change of pace. uh, So much so that that some people think, oh, maybe it was added later or it was a mistake that it was put in there. But it's actually a lot smoother than we might realise. Because this chapter is a beautiful demonstration of the gospel in action. The good news that Paul's been laying out, justification by faith, our adoption into God's family, the gift of his spirit. Now we get to see how that gospel lands on the ground. The kind of community it produces, the kind of relationships. Because theology is not an individual sport. Being a Christian is not a a personal hobby or pastime. It's a team sport. And this chapter reminds us that Romans wasn't written for individual scholars to study in their ivory towers. It was written to a living, breathing community of believers. And actually, as we're going to see, an incredibly diverse and committed community of believers. And it's written for living, breathing communities of believers today there's lots for us to learn about what it means to be a gospel community. So let's uh, jump in and see what we can learn, not only about this first century Roman Christian community, but how we can likewise grow as a gospel community today. Uh, Firstly, let's start with the diversity of this gospel community. Gospel communities are diverse. There are 35, I think I counted, individual names in this passage. Uh, Another reason to say well done to to Rachel for that reading. Um, And there's the ubiquitous name of the Lord Jesus throughout the passage. Paul specifically sends his greetings to 26 individuals plus other believers in households and house churches, even though he's never been to Rome. Not yet at this point. It's not only Paul, eight other believers with Paul, uh, probably with him in Corinth, we think, they also send their greetings to the Christians in Rome. There's a lot of love flowing here. And when you study these names, as the scholars have, the picture that emerges is an incredibly diverse church. We can see that amongst the leadership of these gospel communities are both men and women. For example, Phoebe in verse 1, who Paul commends to them as a deacon. She's a leader, a servant leader in the church in Cancrea, which is a small port town near Corinth. Uh, she's probably been commended by Paul because she's the messenger who's going to take this letter and read it out to the churches in Rome. She's the the postie and the preacher of this letter. She's evidently wealthy. 
because she's been a benefactor to many. She's gospel-hearted. She's committed to supporting Paul and lots of others. She's likely also single. It would have been unusual for a married woman to travel without her husband in those times and surely Paul would have mentioned him too. So we have this wealthy, single, gospel-hearted servant leader, Phoebe, and she's entrusted to carry and proclaim this letter to the Romans. The Roman church too has both men and women amongst its leaders, uh, including Priscilla we see in verse 3. Uh, we know Priscilla and her husband Aquila from Acts 18 describes her teaching ministry uh, that they have. We also see Junia in verse 7, outstanding amongst the apostles. Uh, Junia with her husband Andronicus. Uh, been, she, uh, sorry, Junia has been imprisoned with Paul uh, along with Andronicus. So almost definitely that means she's been involved in some kind of a public proclamation of the gospel. She's spoken up about Jesus and attracted the wrong kind of attention from the authorities. This gospel community in Rome not only consists of men and women, it is for both women and men. It's led by both women and men. There's ethnic diversity here too. Uh, We've seen throughout Romans that Paul's really interested in issues for both Jews and for Gentiles. Have you noticed that a number of points through the letter? Um, Both for Jews and for the non-Jews, the Gentiles. Both are guilty of sin uh, in the early chapters, whether under the law or apart from it. Both are equally justified through Christ. He makes that point. God is welcoming Gentiles into his chosen people now, he tells them, like a, a wild olive branch grafted into his cultivated olive tree. And so now both Jew and Gentile must humbly accept each other without pride or arrogance. And now we we can see why Paul spent so much time on this, articulating the gospel for both Jews and Gentiles, because in the Roman church there are who Paul calls fellow Jews like Andronicus and Junia and Herodian, and there are lots of other names of Gentile origin. Uh, Some are Latin-based Roman names like Julia, Urbanus, Ampliatus, Others are Greek background like Phlegon and Hermes and Nereus. Uh, we hear about Persis, likely a name uh, for someone from a Persian background. Uh, so she's probably a migrant to Rome. So can you see we've got both Roman locals and migrants. We've got people from the, the west of the Mediterranean, the east of the Mediterranean. Gospel communities are ethnically and culturally diverse and we see that in Rome. They're also socially diverse. Uh, Some of the people are wealthy, like Phoebe, uh, the benefactor. Uh, Others, their house is big enough for the church to meet there, like Priscilla and Aquila. But others on this list, the majority in fact, have names that reflect slave status. Names like Urbanus, Ampliatus, Tryphena and Tryphosa, Hermes, Hermes, Asyncritus. Herodian, one of the names, uh, that suggests the slave from the household of the, the Herods, right, the, the kings. Uh, Julia is almost definitely from the Julii clan who are a noble Roman family. Right? One of their famous ancestors is Julius Caesar. We just don't know if Julia was a slave in that household. 
and that's why she got the name, or if she was a, a noble-born woman in that family. Now, the believers here with slave names, we don't actually know if they're still slaves or not. Some of them might have won or purchased their freedom, but their status as, as freed men and freed women uh, would still be much lower than freeborn citizens. So this gospel communion in Rome is this rich and diverse mix of people from all walks of life, different ethnic and cultural backgrounds. And then if we kind of expand out from Rome and think about the believers we hear about in Corinth, there's Erastus, the director of public works, Tertius, the educated scribe who wrote down this letter as Paul was dictating. Then we can see that the gospel is good news for all people. Whatever your background, the gospel produces these genuinely diverse communities. So there's no room for racism or classism or sexism in gospel communities. In Christ, all of us are humbled and all of us are lifted up. Gospel communities, churches like ours, must welcome people, right? Whatever their background, because the gospel is good news for everyone. And that's on all of us. If St. Jude's in Parkville is your church, then help us make this a reality. Help us make sure that we're a welcoming place for all, whatever somebody's background. Secondly, Gospel communities are full of affection. Paul's never been to Rome, but look at how warmly he greets his brothers and sisters in Christ. Ampliatus, my dear friend in the gospel. My dear friend Stachus. Herodian, my fellow Jew. Rufus and his mother, who has been a mother to me too. He calls them brothers and sisters. He urges them to greet one another with a holy kiss, a sign of of family love, a sign of fundamental equality, whatever their social or ethnic background. Gospel communities breed love and affection. Paul loves this church. He encourages them in their love and hospitality too. We can see that uh, the early church is full of good hosts, Uh, There's Gaius who hosts both Paul and the church in Corinth. The gospel community should be a place not just where everyone is welcomed but where everyone is loved, where everyone can find a home, where we experience something of God's love through the affection of our brothers and sisters. Whether we're old or young, married or single, new or well-established, I hope that in this gospel community you will experience something of God's love, a, a tiniest of taste of what it will be like to enjoy our eternal home with God forever. And you might experience that through the love and affection that you find here. Gospel communities are full of affection. They're also sacrificial the love that marks gospel communities is not only affectionate, we say here, it's also sacrificial. 
that's not surprising when we consider how costly hospitality can be. It's costly to provide food for others, especially with inflation the way it is at the moment. It's costly to invite other people into your space, to give your time and your energy to welcome others. But the sacrifices don't end there. I've already mentioned Phoebe, a benefactor to others. That doesn't come cheap. Priscilla and Aquila have risked their lives for Paul. I'm not sure I risked my life for anything, apart from my own stupidity once or twice. Andronicus and Junia have been in prison with Paul. Can you see the picture here? This gospel community is desperately committed. They're not backing down when the going gets tough. They're not ashamed to sacrifice their money, their freedom, even their life for the sake of the gospel. Because without the gospel, gospel communities are nothing. If we lose the gospel, if we compromise and give up and let go of the glorious good news that Christ has died and risen and now he reigns, we have nothing. We're no longer a gospel community. We've lost the gospel, soon we'll lose the community because we've lost the very thing that binds us together. And sadly, we've seen that in churches and denominations. If we stop preaching the gospel, we have nothing. Again, if you're a member of this gospel community, if your life has been changed by the gospel, if you count others here as brothers and sisters, then help us hold fast to the gospel. Expect that our church will be centred on Jesus. Not a social club to suit our needs, but a church for others, a church that preaches Christ where repentance and faith are what you expect to get. If you're a small group leader, a service leader, a kids or youth leader, and this is especially for you, I'm preaching to myself as much as anybody here, let's make sure we keep putting Jesus at the centre of our ministry. It might take sacrifices. It may be costly. But we can live a gospel-centred life, not only on Sundays, but through the week as well, in our witness to the world. Let's put Jesus at the centre of everything we do. The fourth uh, aspect of gospel communities uh, that's really clear in this passage is that gospel communities uh, support gospel workers. They promote leaders who work hard in the gospel. Look at the people who Paul calls co-workers or people who work hard for you, or who work hard in the Lord. There's Priscilla, Aquila, Mary, Urbanus, Trophina, Trophosa, Persis, leaders in this work of the gospel. They serve their community by preaching and teaching the gospel. At least that's what these expressions of uh, working hard or being co-workers, that's what that phrasing refers to everywhere else in the New Testament almost. This church in Rome has supported and empowered these leaders to serve them and serve the gospel and Paul commends them for this service. 
Uh, if you've been around St Jude's for a little while, you probably know that we have a legacy of raising up and equipping men and women uh, to serve the gospel. If you join our 8am prayer meetings on Zoom each day, uh, you can pray every morning for someone sent out from St Jude's into gospel ministry around Australia. It takes about eight weeks to get through everybody. Now, not all of us are called into full-time gospel ministry, and that's good, that's fine. But Jesus does encourage us all to pray, to pray for God to raise up workers for his harvest field. When did you last pray this prayer? On convention, John shared with us that there are almost 40 Anglican churches in Melbourne without a senior minister at the moment. They would love our prayers. And if we're sacrificially supporting gospel ministry, perhaps we could give to support St Jude's trainees. Help us provide for someone who is uh, testing their calling for ministry, who's getting trained in gospel ministry before they uh, commit full-time to college. Or maybe you're wondering if this is for you. If maybe God is calling you to the costly life of full-time gospel ministry. Maybe you're starting to wander and weigh the costs. Quitting your job? What would it mean for those who depend on you? What would it mean for us to be a church that supports people considering this decision so that it doesn't have to be made alone, so that you know you've got your gospel community backing you, praying for you, supporting you, sharing wisdom with you along the way. Just like Christianity isn't a solo sport, nor is Christian ministry. Even Paul, we can see here, had heaps of co-workers. Gospel communities need leaders, we need preachers and pastors, youth ministers, kids ministers, missionaries and chaplains. And so we need to support and mentor and encourage the next generation of gospel leaders. Let's take a moment this morning. Could could that be you? You can come and chat to me or chat to Ali or to John Forsyth. We'd love to talk with you. We'd love to support you. But you can also chat to your small group, chat to your brothers and sisters, to your friends in Christ. We want to be a community that supports each other, where we can ask the question without having to know all the steps and the answer, and where the costly decision to pursue full-time gospel work is not just a crazy idea, but a clear possibility because of the support of God's people. And, And secondly, if not you, who might you support? Who might you encourage or pray for or tap on the shoulder and say, hey, have you thought about? Because the gospel is such good news that gospel communities are worth investing in. Uh, We've seen that gospel communities are incredibly diverse. We've seen they're full of affectionate love and a willingness to suffer sacrificially for what they they hold dear, for, for the gospel and for one another. We've seen that they encourage and support committed leaders and gospel workers. 
Gospel communities do all these things because ultimately gospel communities trust God. We don't do these things out of fear that gospel communities depend on us. No, we do these things in partnership with God because we trust him. We know he's good, he's glorious. His gospel is worth our service and sacrifice. Look at how Paul finishes. Look at where his trust is at the end of this letter. Verse 25. Now to him who is able to establish you. To him who is able to establish you. Who can establish them? Who can grow deep roots for a gospel community and build a solid foundation? Only God. The only wise God. And he does it, as we read on, in accordance with the gospel. The message that Paul proclaims about Jesus Christ. It's through the gospel that God sustains his church. He establishes and grows his church. That's why we hold fast to the gospel because ultimately our faith is not in ourselves and what we can do. We rely on God. We rely on God to justify us through faith in Christ. We walk that narrow path of faith. But we don't walk it alone. We walk it together as a community. We walk that path as a community, as we rely on God, the only one who is able to establish us. And so to him, to the only wise God, be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Loving Father, thank you that in Christ you give us new life through the gospel. Thank you that through Christ you bring new communities into existence. Help us to be a gospel community that reflects the diversity, the affection and love, the sacrifice and commitment and the support for gospel workers that is your will. Help us to trust and depend on you deeply, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, please stand. We're going to respond in song as we.